Hello, and welcome to the Road Not Taken podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Star Wars um, in anticipation of the upcoming Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, and so we're going to start off the podcast by talking about our favorite Star Wars movies, and we're going to do that in the form of a ranking. So, uh, Ben, what we're going to do is uh, we'll each give our – we're going to work bottom up. All right, so I, I'm not sure what your thoughts are, but we're going to go from worst to first um, just because there are, some, there are some rough Star Wars movies in the canon, and I know that we love them all. Um, but we're going to start with the bottom, and we'll work our way to the top. So, Ben, what, what, which one do you think is the worst? What's your least favorite Star Wars movie? My least favorite – this is difficult because there's a couple that that really could you know be – I'll tell you what. Let, let's just put you, our – You go first. Yeah, I was going to – how about this? Uh, so my three least favorite Star Wars films, and we're going to count the all of okay. the, the eight episodes that are out as well as Rogue One and uh, Solo because I think those are, the, those are the other two, right? Um, so my three least favorite Star Wars films are The Last Jedi, Attack of the Clones, and The Force Awakens. Um, this is going to be very controversial because I don't have the Phantom Menace in my bottom three. Um, but I just, I, you know, looking back at it, Attack of the Clones, you cannot get over those Anakin, Padme romance scenes that are just, I'm, it's like the Tin Man wrote them. Uh, we had a couple really good moments in that, but it was just, you know, it was it was forgettable, unfortunately, uh, especially considering that George Lucas had time to realize what was wrong with The Phantom Menace and fix that. Um, alternatively, or not alternatively, uh, as for my other two, they're actually the two newer episodes. Uh, the Last Jedi was rough. There was no, like, epic battle scene. In fact, the only, like, what we thought was going to be the epic battle scene turned out to not be one because Luke actually wasn't there. Um, and additionally, uh, there were there were problems because J.J. Abrams directed The Force Awakens, and then he didn't direct The Last Jedi. Uh, Rian Johnson did. And they both had apparently differing visions for what the films were supposed to be. So we got a very disjointed story. I mean, you know, Snoke died in the second film, which I'm not sure that J.J. Abrams would have done. Um, but overall, you know, I think there are some good things about the, the, the two newer movies. The visuals are great. I mean, like everything in that movie is gorgeous. But I think that some of the storytelling choices have been questionable. Uh, the dialogue is better, but it's just it doesn't feel as Star Warsy as some of the as some of the older ones were. Wait, which one are you saying doesn't feel as quote Star Warsy? I, I think the Last Jedi and the Force Awakens don't. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I was talking about yeah the the Attack of the Clones is obviously that's a Star Wars movie. Uh, that one had its own challenges. Uh, by the way, you know I do like them all. I've seen all the movies. Um, I've seen actually I think I've seen. I've seen the two newer ones at least twice each, so I, you know, I had some time to like think and sit back on them. But they, it, it feels like it definitely feels the way that you would think it would feel if someone were to tell you, "Hey, Disney is going to make Star Wars now," and this mm-hmm. is exactly what I think that you know people envisioned, they were worried about, and that's what we got. But as for you, yeah. So for my picks, uh, they're very similar, obviously, because we tend to think alike. Uh, in this area, but The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi are obviously two of the three, and I think I may have to stray on the third pick because you did Attack of the Clones, but I'm thinking The Phantom Menace. I can see that. I, I It pains me to do it because I watched it as such a young kid, and I liked it when I was young, but when I 
watched it when I was older, I realized I didn't like it nearly as much as the other movies. And I didn't pick Attack of the Clones because I feel like I feel like that really did. It felt like a Star Wars movie, despite all the problems I have with it. And and you mentioned them, obviously. It it felt so much like a Star Wars movie. It had, you know, there was just the clones, the clone fight scenes and the, the Jedi coming in uh, with the lightsaber battles. They were all spectacular. I mean, you had Mace Windu and Yoda and Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I actually, I, I didn't see Attack of the Clones in the theater, because uh, I forget, was that like 2002? I was like four or something, or three. Yeah. Um, but my dad did, and he said that when Yoda pulls out his lightsaber, he was like, the whole crowd was cheering, like, because up until that point, Yoda was this like decrepit green alien who like couldn't really do much, and then we got mm-hmm. to see him like basically, not quite as prime, but active, and that, that apparently was like a huge, it was kind of like the Captain America picking up... Uh, Thor's hammer. Thor's hammer. Yeah. yeah. Right. The audience just loved that. But, but yeah, yeah, I agree. There's actually uh, there's this thing called the Machete Order, which is a fan's uh, version of how you should watch the Star Wars movies for them to make make more sense. And a lot of people like like that order. And I forget which way he had recommended it, but he actually just said, "Don't watch the Phantom Menace," and you can start with Attack of the Clones, and you won't miss anything about the story because it jumps right in with Anakin and Obi-Wan and Padme and you get all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I do agree. I think that, you know, in some ways attack of the clones is probably a better star Wars movie than Phantom Menaces. Um, but yeah. All right. So is that all you want to say about those three? Well, I'll just say one last thing about the Phantom sure. Menace. I, it was in the bottom three, but remember there's what? Nine, there's nine, nine in the... well, eight, but ten, actually 10 with Rogue One and Han Solo. Yeah, well, I'm yeah, I wasn't counting those, but so when I say bottom bottom three, like I I think Phantom Menace was the top of the bottom three, like it was the best of those bottom three, in my opinion. And hear me out, Phantom Menace. I know you're like, oh, it was a horrible movie. It was, but once again, part of my childhood. And again, I'll say great lightsaber fight scenes with Qui Gon Jinn. That was the best. uh, That's the best duel we've had. Yeah. Like including these newer movies, and that that came out in 1999, and they had yes, and the CGI was far less um, advanced than it is today. That's 20 years ago, and yet for some reason the the fight scene was much better than anything we've seen lately. Um. Yeah. All right. So we got. I think so. There's 10 since episode nine hasn't come out. So uh, we've gotten our our bottom three out of the way. Um, so then we have our next four. Um, this is where it gets. This is where it gets be, tough. There's going to be see, some controversy because yeah. there can only be three movies in the top three, and I think there's four that are actually there's five that are worthy of being in the top three. Um, but my, actually, what do we do here? Do we just move to the top three because I it feels weird to put the. Yeah, you know what we'll do? Let, let's let's actually. Look, how about this? How about how about we give our next two? And that'll get us to our bottom five, and then we'll do our top five. All right. So my okay. next two uh, movies, this the in my opinion, the sixth and seventh best movies are um, Phantom Menace and Han Solo, because I think those were both like Phantom Menace was not a good movie, which is why it's seventh. And then we start this next tier where Han Solo was good. It, it was it didn't have like that like lasting appeal. I know it was a flop at the box office. But, you know, it was a fun movie. I saw it, and then I saw it again with one of my brothers, and he really liked it. Um, 
So I think those are my next two. I think there's a very clear divide. I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, but I think there's a very clear top five and then there's a bottom five. And I think that Han Solo is outside of that top tier comfortably, but it's also a little bit better than the other four movies. Yeah, so mine, I guess this isn't as controversial as I thought it would be, but yeah, Attack of the Clones and right. Han so Solo. So we both have the same bottom five. Han Solo film. Yeah, in, in a little different varying of order, but still same bottom five. And now let's go to top okay. five. So do you want to do this top down or, or bottom up? Uh, I don't know. Whatever makes more logical sense. All right, let's go. Let's do... Let's go top down. Yeah, we'll okay. That was our favorite one. So we've knocked out the bottom five. So the five remaining movies are uh, Rogue One, the original three movies, A New Hope, Empire uh, Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, and then the last prequel, Revenge of the Sith. Um, so I think, you know, let's go bottom up, actually. I think that that'll, that'll build it up a little bit more. So um, my fifth favorite, I think, is Rogue One. Um, Oof. and this, this might just be the, due to the fact that it's a pre, it's not one of the main canonical films. Um, so I think it suffers from not like being a continuous part of the story. And I think that going in, you, you kind of know that all the characters in this movie, like don't matter to the rest of the story. Cause they're not in those wow. that original series. Wow. But I think if you take it, right, hold on. I think if you take it at, on its own as a really, really good origin story and sort of like explanation of what leads up to the the a new hope i think it's really good i think it's really well done it's it it's one of the two darkest movies out of the actually top three i think because you can make an argument that empire and revenge of the sith are darker but i think in terms of like people dying you know we see guerrilla warfare uh we see saw guerrera who's you know like nominally a rebel that he's so violent in his approach that the rebels don't want to team up with him um you know i think that there's a very gritty dark feel to it and obviously spoiler alert um they all end up dying anyway so i think it is really good it has great qualities i'm not sure it can unseat one of the actual episodes but it was a really good movie i think this was clearly the best one that disney's put out i hate how you had to say it like that because you are not gonna like my top three all right. So, um, and then, you know what, uh, you can go with your, your fifth. My we'll fifth. alternate. We'll do it like a, snake, we'll do it a snake draft. So we'll go, so you'll get the next two and then I'll get the next two and then we'll go one. This, I, I it, it hurts me to do this to even rank the top five. Cause they're all so good. There are. Yeah. I just want to make it clear. These are all really, really good movies ranging from like really good to like, a lot of lists have a couple of these in like the top 10, top 25 movies ever made in any genre. So let's just be clear. These are all really good movies. I don't know if you're going to like this, but my number five is. I'm trying to decide. I, I think I think I'm going to have to do it, though. The Return of the Jedi. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. All right. Now this is the actually yeah go ahead go ahead you haven't right, heard my your... number one wait until we get to number one I mean you're gonna I, I think you're Rogue gonna be fine your number no, no okay you'll no, be fine no, with number one. all right go ahead go ahead make make your case for why Return of the Jedi is your fifth is you think is the fifth best Star Wars movie well to make my case I'll have to give you the rest of the list all right you know what 
I'll I'll let's I'll tell you what. Let's each give our top fives and then we'll defend it. So uh I think I'll let you start. Okay, so actually you know what? Hold on, hold on. I'll go because yours seems like it might be more controversial. And okay. then we can we can bounce off there. So my fifth favorite, and I think I also gave you mine. Uh my fifth favorite is Rogue One. Uh my fourth favorite is Return of the Jedi. Um, so I know even though I was giving you grief a second ago, it's, I think it's the fourth best. Um, and then I think we can discuss these all as a whole. So I'll just ra- you know, like rattle off my top three. Uh, the third best one, in my opinion was revenge of the Sith. Uh, the second was the original star Wars movie, a new hope. And I think that the best one is empire empire strikes back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> I'll go to my number five. Yeah. By the way, Paul's is a very vanilla list. It's not controversial at all. I think I'm most, sorry. most wow. people would agree with that. Um, but yeah, I so I said Return of the Jedi at five. Number four. Uh, <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to pick what? Okay, no, I it's can't gonna- do it. I want to say it, but I can't. Okay, fine. At four, I'm going to say A New Hope. No, I knew you were going to say that. As soon as you said, I don't, I'm not going to do it. I was like, he's going to put a new hope at four. All right. All right. I'll let you finish. All right. Uh, wow. I'm just in shock. I've been hit by a flashbang grenade. Number number uh, three, I'm going to put Rogue One. Okay. Number Good. two. If you are, said Empire, yeah, no, you would have been right in my back even more. Just wait. But I, Number th- what am I on? Number two, Revenge of the Sith yeah. is number two for me. All right, and number one is obviously Empire's The Empire Strikes Back. I mean, how right. do you not put that as number one? Is beyond me. All right, yes. So, um, my number one is not controversial, correct? You wouldn't, yeah. I think yeah. Empire, it's been it's one of the fans' favorite movies. It is a critic's favorite. That That's what I was referring to when I was talking about top 10 movies of all time. A lot of them have Empire there. Yeah, it gave I, us the greatest reveal in cinematic history, which was that Darth Vader is Luke's father. And it was a really it was a dark movie. I mean, we, we saw Luke's hand cut off, we saw the the rebels, you know, have to flee constantly. Uh, you know, it's a it's a little depressing to be honest. We saw Lando betray, you know, Han Solo and the gang. He's in Carbonite. He's mm-hmm. been taken off by Jabba and yes. Boba Fett. Um, and I think it was just, it was a really well done movie because the new hope was a nice one. And empire was kind of like, no, 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 we're serious about, you know, like we're, this isn't just like a happy movie for kids. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on empire? Yeah. I, everything you said is absolutely correct that it's, it's up there with the Godfather and the gladiator, all these great movies. It's, it's top 10 for sure. All time. I don't just the betrayal and just everything involved. It's such a great storyline and it feels it's, it's quintessential star Wars episode five is quintessential star Wars. It doesn't get any better than that. This helped like this movie shaped like few, like future filmmakers look to that movie for inspiration. Um, in both like plot, obviously, cause now everybody's doing a reveal that it's like actually a family member, like that star Wars was the first to do that. And then just in terms of filmmaking, like the visuals are good. Uh, you know the 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 camera, the way that the angles are, like it's all it's just a really well done movie. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's Empire. Um, I'll just I'll just review my list so you can pick it apart a second. So I said Empire Strikes Back was number one. Number two was Revenge of the Sith. 
Number three was Rogue One. Number four was A New Hope. And number five, I said, was... um, Jedi. Yeah, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I think, well, we talked about Rogue One. What's your biggest problem with that? I think I think the biggest problem is all right. So here's 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 I'll explain why I put my list the way I did, and then I think this will underscore my problems with your list. So Rogue One honestly is a really good movie. I'm not going to quibble with where you place that because it it could be anywhere. You know, I have no. That's just a really good movie. I think its only problem is that it it can only be so good given what it is. Uh, like it's a it's a prequel story about characters that aren't in the original series, um, but outside of that, it was you know it was a great movie. Um, the reason that I have a new hope at number two is because unlike Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith, there were no flaws in the movie. Um, so a new hope was you know it's the classic hero's journey. It's a plot device that George Lucas borrowed from literature. Uh, you know, where it's the classic, you know, the young, the young man who's the hero longs to get away from, you know, his, his circumstance. There's an old mentor who frees him. They go on an adventure. The mentor sacrifices himself and then without his mentor, but, you know, have finally like understood, uh, you know, the meaning of life or like have finally grasped magic or whatever the plot device is, he defeats the enemy. Um, so that's a, that's a classic story. Um, it gets points for being the original, the first one. Like this is what spawned uh, uh, billions and billions and billions of dollars. Uh, people just love this franchise, and A New Hope did that. And it's also rewatchable. I mean, the music is classic. There's great shots, like Luke standing at Tatooine, uh, the Obi Wan Darth Vader fight, the De- you know Death Star blowing up. Uh, it's just a great movie. There are no flaws in the movie, um, and I think it's just really it's really well done. Now. The reasons why the the problems Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi both have flaws. Uh, Return of the Jedi's flaw is that you know the the whole like Jabba thing is like interesting, but it's not really that important to the story except to get Han back. Um, and then there's this whole Ewok thing, which is just ridiculous, especially given that C three PO manipulates the Ewoks by pretending to be their god and leads them into a war against the Empire, where like half of their tribe dies, which. Just that's reason. why I put it so low on the list. That is, there are some real moral questions there that like C3P, it's like, oh, look, yeah, they think he's God. And it's like, all those like dead Ewoks are like on C3PO and they're in Billion's hands. Um, but, and then also Revenge of the Sith has the classic, like the CGI was a little iffy. I think there are, there are, you know, Hayden Christensen is much better. There's still a few dialogue problems with that. Uh, it, there is a little bit, it, it's like, Anakin is like, we need to stop Palpatine, save the Republic. And then like five minutes later, he's like, kill, you know, he kills Mace Windu and, you know, he allows Palpatine to kill Mace Windu and becomes Darth Vader. It's really quick. And then the Obi-Wan Anakin fight is an all timer, but it could, I think it was a little overdone with like the chains and the lava and they're like jumping around. Like it wasn't, it could have just been a little bit simpler, more heated, more passionate. But you forget the one, perhaps one of the most famous movie lines of all time comes from this film which one there are many i am the well, senate this is how democracy dies with thunderous applause uh that I, is not I, the one i was thinking of i have the high ground anakin that is the one i was thinking don't underestimate or what you over you underestimate my power i mean there i i I'll, I'll we'll get into this with the prequels in a minute but there there here's here's the thing 
Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi both have great moments that make up for the deficiencies in those movies. Because Revenge of the Sith has its problems, but we get to see Anakin become Darth Vader. We get to see him implicitly, you know, kill all these Jedi younglings. Like, this movie is PG-13. They went there. Um, They didn't shy away. They said, no, no, we're going to tell the story the way it needs to be told. There were some problems with the way that it was executed, but overall, there were some incredible moments. Obviously, uh, Ian McDermott as Palpatine, he should have been Oscar nominated. That guy is amazing. Uh, he's actually like the only reason really I'm excited about the rise of Skywalker. Um, and then the reason that I have return of the Jedi above it is because I think that both movies were flawed, but both had high points. And I think that return of the Jedi's was a little bit higher because every time I watch that movie, I'm I, we start off and I'm like, okay, this is good. I'm like, yeah, I think revenge of the Sith is better. But the last 20 minutes of that movie, the last half an hour of that movie is it it chills you every single time to see Luke be taken prisoner of his own volition by Darth Vader, be tempted by the Emperor, fight Darth Vader. He's losing the battle. And then, you know, you Vader's taunting him. You know, you have a sister. He gets mad. You see Darth Vader finally taken down. And that, that moment where Luke's hacking at his arm and Vader's on the ground is just absolutely amazing. And then the Emperor, when the Emperor starts electrocuting Luke, uh, you cannot look away from that scene. When Luke's screaming at, at Vader, and Vader's looking back and forth from the Emperor and, and Luke, and then he picks him up and throws him down the shaft. Like That whole sequence, the throne room duel between Vader and Luke and Palpatine, that is, I think, the best Star Wars sequence ever. Like Hands down, that's the fulfillment of... The original trilogy, it brought the series to a close. Everything that Empire and A New Hope worked towards was finished in that sequence. And it's obviously there's like the space thing going on and down on Endor. But that that's that sequence is just it's it's one of the best movie scenes I think I've ever seen in any movie. And I think that that's why I have it at number three, is because despite its flaws, it gives us the highest high. The music there is perfect, the acting is perfect. It's it's the resolution of the hero's journey in a way that is both classic and yet engaging every single time you watch it. And that's why I have it at number three. And I don't think, Ben, that you're going to be able to overcome that impassioned argument that I just made. So, But I will I will let you try. Okay. So explain why that is at, that movie is at five. Why, why the Return of the Jedi is at five. Oh, no, no. Do, do what you want. I was just, you know, go ahead. You're good. Well, the reason I had it at you high, you already highlighted it, it in the fact that the Ewoks, so much of the movie was spent on that, and I had so many problems with them using the Ewoks, and then like the Ewoks were going to eat them. It, it's just kind of, it just doesn't feel right it was to the rest weird. of the, yeah. Now I understand people are going to be like, oh, I love the Ewoks; they were so cute. Is that really why you're watching the movie, though? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't like that. I don't think. Oh, and the other thing I'd like to throw in—I'm sorry to subvert your thing—was there is also in Return of the Jedi that kind of element of chance. You know how there's that kind of like luck factor, a little bit where it's like, oh no, like Han Solo is blind and yet he manages to hit Boba Fett's jetpack in just the right area, even while he's recovering from that thing he can't see. And like, oh look, Boba Fett just happens to fall down into the Sarlacc pit. And then it's like, oh, look, the Ewoks, the little fuzzy things are like, you know, beating up stormtroopers like by throwing rocks at like armor. Like it has that 
That is a very good point. It has because... the problems that Phantom Menace does where Anakin's like, oh no, and he accidentally like goes into orbit and then like blows up the whole thing. And I don't like that element of chance that's not for Paul, you have hit upon a perfect the perfect point because Star Wars is all based around the force and how people are chosen. It's destiny. Yeah, it's chosen. It's destiny. It's predestined. Exactly. And somehow in this last series, hot take. All right. Yeah. So, and then you get to the, uh, the return of the Jedi and all of a sudden there's all these things that seemed up to chance when it seemed like the force had been in control the entire time before. And then all of a sudden the, you know, the Ewoks come out of nowhere and your whole point with solo hitting, um, uh, Fett's uh, jetpack, like yeah, all these things, and yet the previous two movies were we were told that it, people were chosen by the Force, and everything was in control. Yeah, th- there was just a little yeah, just, that seemed random. Yeah. Now, if they'd been more explicit about like the will of the Force propelling the tide of battle, that's one thing. But it was like. Oh, oh, the Imperial stormtroopers that have like ruled the galaxy, like, and and it is actually. I think it's. Would you agree that it might that there's at least shades of like guerrilla, like the Vietnam War, in that where it's like the American forces are trying to fight, you know, a theoretically under-equipped enemy, but can't do it. Um, You don't think that's that's a coincidence, considering it was basically a decade after the end of the Vietnam War, right? Yeah, but I I just it might have just been an execution problem where it felt like, well, we need. We need this to happen, so we're going to put it in the story. It might not make a ton of sense, but it gets us where we need to be. And also, like, they're Ewoks. Like, it's funny. Like, oh, a console, wax, Boba Fett. Like, there is that kind of, like, element of, you know, the audience. They, you, Lucas thinks the audience will like it, and, you know, I don't know. I, it, there were just flaws with the movie that, you know, I, I think are worth mentioning. But the reason I put Rogue One at three... Mm-hmm uh it's just it's so good it explains the backstory of a new hope like when you first sat down to watch a new hope you have to say you were a little confused at what leia was saying when she said help me um obi-wan kenobi you're my only you're our only hope like you're just confused you're like what is going on they throw you right into it you're into the middle of a space battle yeah, and also it's episode four, so you're like episode four. I've never seen this franchise before, and all of a sudden I'm getting thrown into episode you want four. The backstory. Yeah, and you're like, what is going on? I'm not saying A New Hope isn't a good movie; it's an excellent movie. I'm just saying Rogue One explained all of that, and you brought up that all these characters died, and in, in like they, we don't know any of their names because they're not in the other franchise movies, but that's the point like they sacrificed those those actors and and actresses in a way sacrificed to create a better franchise you know i get giving us a it's, a better backstory i think it's a, it's a strength and a weakness and i'm emphasizing the weakness more and you're emphasizing the strength yes but we in a way we have the same mm-hmm. point um yeah but it was just so good and it uh, there once again it was just full of it was an action-packed movie. Everything that you expected a Star Wars movie to be, you just felt you had feelings of nostalgia of the previous movies in the franchise when you watched Rogue One. 
and then it all, it all came together. It culminated at the end of the film when you realized what was happening when Leia said what she said in that little, you know, chip at the end, that yeah. R2-D2. Well, also yeah. Rogue One, we got to see Tarkin through CGI and we got more Vader. So that's always a plus two. Yes. Absol- yeah, and, absolutely. And uh, Mads Mikkelsen, who's just an amazing actor. I love that guy. Uh, he's the guy who was uh, Galen or or, or so, um, mm-hmm. and I think isn't he's the villain in Doctor Strange too. Um, but he's a very good actor. I like seeing him in the franchise. But any other and oh, Reven- yeah, yeah, I just I just put Revenge of the Sith at two, which I know bothered you, but it just gave us so many great moments. Uh, one of the best fight scenes at the end. You know, Anakin and I have the high ground now. You're right, it did have some dialogue problems. But at the same time, some of the dialogue was, I'd say moments in that film, di- the dialogue was some of the best in the entire franchise. I agree. I agree. There, there were, Despite there being other problems with the dialogue, I'm saying there were key moments that I was like, this, this is the best of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, there were some unintentionally hilarious moments where... where I don't know. I I I don't want to throw shade at Padme, but she's like, <laughs> she, he Anakin like murders an entire village of uh, Sand Raiders, and she's like, oh no, it's okay. And Attack of the Clones, like you you're just misunderstood. And then she's and then like she finally breaks up with him, and he's like, hey, the Jedi are bad. And it's like, oh, that's when you decided to like break up with him and 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 say he's lost, not when he like killed an entire village of another species. Um, it's like unintentionally hilarious given the backstory, but I, I agree. I, I think, and I think this actually pulls us right in if you're done to um, what we'd like to. Well, I just like to say, cause I, there, I, there are I a lot of problems comment. with the prequels, but I was wondering if we could talk about what we liked about them, highlight the good things. And I, what, what reminded me of that was you said that Ewan McGregor, I have the high ground. I think I, Owen McGregor was having like a great, he was having a blast. Like he just looked like he was having fun the whole time. And I think he probably, he carried the prequels a lot. Um, and he's just, he's so memeable. I mean, hello there when, uh, from revenge of the Sith, when he's talking to Grievous is a meme. Uh, I have the high ground is a meme. Like everything that Anakin does, including his facial expressions are basically a meme. Uh, Ian McDermott, his story, his Darth Plagueis, the wise story is still legendary. Uh, people are like adapting that as like jokes even now. I'm the Senate. Um, the his his line where he says, you know, ironic. You know, he could save others from death, but not himself. Um, his, you know, uh, what what does he say? What he says, um, a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one or something like that. Like he's that there are there are some great moments all over this dialogue wise. Uh, the problem is that there's also some really horrendous moments, but. I think there's some great acting performances individually, and I think that there's some great dialogue in parts. Um, yeah. My problem with the prequels, yeah, I know you were trying to highlight the the good stuff, but my problem with the prequels, you know, the whole the rest of the franchise could have been, you know, it could have been avoided had Padme sent Anakin to a Jedi therapy. <laughs> You know, if he had just gone to the right person and just talked things through his problems with the Jedi, his, you know, his gripes with Obi-Wan and Yoda and all that, 
I think everything could have been could have been avoided. You know, Darth Vader wouldn't exist. I, yeah, basically, this is like angsty teenager that like is a meme lord and like has like you know abandonment issues and like control struggles. Um, brings about like a, a, a regime change, thousands murdered. If you look at this from like a meta perspective, it's like yeah, there's it is kind of it is a little. Yeah, and when and when Padme is like, "Why are you doing this?" I, I'm sitting there on the living room couch saying, "How did you not see this? The past decade, he's been, you know, he's had clear, he's clearly had. And he's anger a stalker. Issues. He's literally a stalker. He's yes. like watching her at all times. I mean, he's like infatuated to the point, like you know, what he is. He's like, he's he's one of those like kids that grew up on video games." that like doesn't know how to interact with people and he gets like fixated on something it becomes an infatuation and then he finally gets it and he's like oh no what do i have to do to keep it and then he's like everybody's you know the world's against me they all hate me like he's literally a like a kid with emotional problems and that is what destroys the jedi order i mean that and the fact that yoda like can't see any of this coming which is just it baffles me that i mean if he's that uh impotent at this stage of his life he should probably have retired um although if mace windu was next on the jedi depth chart they wouldn't have been in much better hands um but yoda is a master of like saying things that sound smart like you know two you know two there always are whatever and he's like you know the dark side of the force is cloud it's like no kidding yoda (laughs) like you're supposed to figure this out like (laughs) oh yeah you realize he's you know a jedi after he like murders everybody like you clearly just told him to shut up instead of like talking through these things with him. Uh, I, yeah, and every time he comes to you, you end up reproaching him. I mean, I, you know, I, well, Paul, I think this segues into our conspiracy theory. Perfectly. Oh, it does. All right. So, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I just want to say con- real quick, we talked. We're each going to bring our best Star Wars theory to the table right now because there are a lot of great theories. So I'm going to let Ben. You want to go first? Yeah. Sure. So I was saying this segue. Right. Sorry, now because... that I killed the transition, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, everything has been lost. Um, yeah. So we were saying, you. Yeah, you did kill the transition because you were saying something about Yoda and how he like if he if they'd let Mace Windu take over the yes, Jedi yeah. Council. So. Before that, and I'd like you to jump in as well because we discussed this extensively. Yeah. Um, about Qui Gon Jinn and how it almost seems like he was a Sith Lord, or at least in the process of becoming one in the in the first episode. And I do want to say that that this is a theory that I had heard a little bit about. And I think that a lot of people have speculated that he was what they call a gray Jedi, which is sort of like an anti-hero Jedi where he's technically good, but he's like, you know, he crosses the council. He doesn't do what they want. He's sort of like a dirty, hairy figure or like a, um, who's a, who's a hero that's like good, but that works uh, kind of like a Wolverine character, like that, that kind of vibe. But I think that that Ben actually has a really compelling argument here for why Qui-Gon is a Sith. So I'll let you take that and then I'll add my two cents in every so so often. Um well I'm trying to find the theory that I wrote down. 
somewhere. Sure. Just now, unfortunately, this was derailed by the fact that that Maul killed him. Um, but while Ben is researching that, I would just like to briefly mention that it is very common for Sith to Sith lords and those in charge to allow to basically have their apprentice pick a fight with another apprentice that they've been training or somebody else. And then whoever wins that fight becomes, you know, the next Sith, the, the, the real successor. And we see that continually. Uh, we see that a lot in the Clone Wars because Count Dooku has Maul at some point, Asajj Ventress um, in the Clone Wars series, the TV show, the animated one on Cartoon Network. Um, Maul's brother is also considered, there's a lot of uh, force powerful beings that Count Dooku is kind of training. He wants to see who's going to be the most powerful. Um, we even see that with, we see that a couple times actually with Palpatine. Um, because you remember in Revenge of the Sith, he basically, he watches gleefully while Palpatine, and, or while, uh, while Dooku and Anakin are fighting. And when Anakin wins, he tells him to kill Dooku. And Palpatine knows that Dooku's his apprentice, but he's like, if you were weak enough to lose, I don't want you. And he also, at a couple points, uh, actually tries to get Obi-Wan to turn to the dark side as well. And then we see it in Return of the Jedi, where he wants Luke to kill Darth Vader and then turn to the dark side. So I think that, I don't know what your thoughts on this were, but this could have been a case of Qui-Gon being knowingly or unknowingly pitted against Darth Maul, and whoever the victor was would have been considered the stronger, which obviously is a trait that the Sith desire. And Qui-Gon was defeated, unfortunately. And then, of course, even more unfortunately for the Sith, Maul was then also defeated, so both of them ended up dead. But um, if he was a Sith, it actually makes a lot of sense that that whoever the master was, if that was Palpatine or somebody else, would have pitted him against Darth Maul to see who was stronger. Well, you you were saying... You know, you're saying that if he was pitted against uh, Darth well, Maul, think about it this way: he would have been Dooku. This is canon. Doesn't know who doesn't didn't know that Palpatine was was Darth Sidious, and that's it's not explicitly clear, but it is clear from the Clone Wars and some of the books that have come out recently. So, Wait, so was Dooku his own entity? Like he wasn't exactly. Well, he was a part fallen Jedi who I believe he was technically the Sith apprentice, the second one, because Palpatine had trained him. But it's my understanding that it was a more remote kind of thing where Palpatine's appearing to him, and it's sort of like you know, like shrouded in mystery. But what I think is clear is that Dooku didn't know that Palpatine and and Chancellor, like that Sidious and Palpatine, were the same person. And yet Palpatine engineered the circumstances so that Anakin and Dooku ended up dueling. And I think it's, you know, and then we see that later. So I think it's it's possible that Qui-Gon could have been his own Sith Lord without a master. Because obviously, even though there's a rule of two, they're, they're, that's not a strict rule. It's possible that other people would have tapped into the dark side. Or even if uh, Qui-Gon was serving a master, if it was Palpatine or somebody else, that Palpatine could have manipulated um qui-gon into ending up at this duel i don't know what your thoughts were well i was gonna kind of go back to the point where it's it's so obvious that qui-gon is at least a quote Mm -hmm. gray jedi and i mean some are saying some have said possibly a sith because he openly questions the jedi council now there's nothing wrong like in the films, there's nothing wrong with questioning the Jedi Council, but the way that Qui-Gon did it 
um, I think Yoda, if I'm remembering correctly, Yoda had serious problems with the ways that Qui-Gon was questioning the council. Yeah, it's very clear the council, they know, like, they're, like I think that Qui-Gon should have been on the council if you count his power level. Uh, he's obviously strong, but he, yeah, him and the council, they're not exactly best buddies. Um, and he ra- he helped raise Anakin Skywalker. And he must have. It was pretty clear that you know he knows what he knows what the Jedi Council's policy is on age. I mean, he's very clearly saying no, no, we have to go against it. And thankfully, or maybe not so thankfully, Obi Wan ended up training him. But anyway, yeah. So he ended if yeah he ended up training him for a short period of time at least before his death, um, by Darth Maul. But he he must have instilled some of these values in Anakin Skywalker that he remembered and that's like the ideology that Anakin began to believe when he was older i think that was instilled in him by Qui-Gon Jinn and that's why he began to resent the Jedi Council when he got older and why he went into the temple and murdered all of the young Jedi apprentices now, I would like to, I don't think you've mentioned this, bring in what I think is might be the most compelling piece of evidence. Do you know who trained Qui-Gon Jinn? I do not. Count Dooku. Well, I guess that's I guess that goes back to my question. So he was he was a fallen Jedi. You, you were saying he was a fallen Jedi, and then he sort of became Which a I think we can translate. I think at some point he became a Sith, but it's my understanding that he was disillusioned with the Jedi Order, left it, and then you know started the Confederacy and like that he was the leader of the Separatists, but he was also secretly you know at least taking orders from Palpatine. So I think we can call him a Sith. Um, but I think it's interesting that the very person who became the the leader, the per- I mean this guy he, Count Dooku has killed Jedi. He's a Sith. If not, you know, like I guess technically a fallen Jedi or whatever, but he's a Sith. He's working for Palpatine. Well, if, if that this person with those values is the one who trained Qui Gon, and probably a lot of his philosophy, Dooku's philosophy, was instilled in Qui Gon while he was, you know, young and impressed. But I mean, if you really wanted to dig deep deeper, I think Count Dooku was trained by Yoda. He was. So Yoda trained Count Dooku, which I think just is another bad reflection on Yoda that. He's just doing a terrible job where his Padawan becomes one of the great generals in the fight against the Jedi and the Republic, uh, that he allowed this to happen. I think, yeah, Yoda Yoda has a lot to account for here. I know he's viewed as a positive, but uh, if we had somebody a little bit more competent at the, the reins of the Jedi Order, this whole thing might have been averted. Um, but yeah, it was basically the lineage that was Yoda trained Dooku, Dooku trained Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon trained Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan trained Anakin. Um, and in that list, we have two Jedi, which are Obi-Wan and Yoda, a gray Jedi slash Sith in Qui-Gon, if our theory is correct, an actual Sith, and then a Jedi who became like Darth Vader. So I, this is not this, this is not a good reflection on Yoda here that these things keep happening. Uh, so should our take actually be that Yoda is a Sith? No, I'm joking. <laughs> that would be going um, a little too far for the, uh, the casual fans. Yoda is... Yoda, I'm. This is my new take. Yoda is actually no. Yoda is like a neocon, 
where Yoda advocates for these terrible decisions and then like after the fact realizes that they were terrible decisions and tries to atone for it. Just like the neocons that lied us into the wars in the Middle East and then are now like, oh yeah, those were a bad idea. It's like, uh-huh, yeah, they were. Um, if only uh, we had other people in charge at the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so, so lay it out. So we got Qui-Gon. Anything else you want to say about that theory? No, I think we went into it probably a little too far because I, we went all the way back to Yoda and I really don't think. No, no, yeah. no. Yoda, Yoda at worst is just, he, his sins are just being a terrible leader and a terrible teacher that allowed this to happen under his watch. Um, but, all right, so I'm going to go on with my theory and I think you know about this one. And honestly, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think that this is the greatest Star Wars theory. If not Jar Jar Binks. Yes, Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord. And I'm gonna lay out the case for why Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord. Now this this is a very popular theory. Um it came out, I think was it twenty it was like twenty fifteen, there was some like Reddit user who posted about it. And I think that this is very, very clear. So to to understand this fully, we have to go back to George Lucas creating a Phantom Menace. He he had wanted to do this prequel series for a long time. In fact, he set up the series so that, as you mentioned earlier, we start with episode four. And obviously, you know, Phantom Menace was a flop at, by Star Wars standards, at least. Um, but there's a character, Jar Jar Binks, that was almost universally hated. And he was hated because he's really clumsy. Um, he's really, like, just annoying. Um, he's, he seemed like he was just, just designed for the kids. Um, and it turned out that basically Lucas was like crestfallen that that had happened. And they ended up like basically drastically reducing his screen time. We see almost none of him in the second and third movies, but this is what I, this is what I, I have to say about, about Jar Jar. Is it possible that George Lucas had intended for him to have a larger role, um, and then had to scrap the plans because of fan reception. And that's what I think happened. I think that George Lucas was going to pull the most epic bait and switch of all time. And he was going to have that ludicrous, that mocked character, you know, the funny, goofy, clumsy character become a Sith Lord. And it turned out that he's been also manipulating events the whole time. Uh, now, I don't know what his plans were for Jar Jar because he doesn't appear in the, the original series. So I assume he would have been like taken out at some point. But think about it. Jar Jar is incredibly clumsy, but that clumsiness somehow always helps him come out of every battle unscathed. I mean, we see him like dancing around ac- accidentally, and I don't think it's really that accidentally. Um, blowing up just about all of his enemies, commandeering a tank. He can do like backflips and all this stuff that we're supposed to just believe is something that Gungans can do. But do we see any of the other Gungans do it in the movie? No, we do not. It is only Jar Jar Binks. And you're Uh, forgetting the most important, maybe you're not forgetting, but on behalf of Naboo, he gave a speech in the Senate in favor of giving Chancellor Palpatine emergency powers. Exactly. And, and I will just make it, make it very clear. Jar Jar Binks was the person, he was the person who basically brought the bill to the table to give Palpatine his emergency powers. Now, I know at this point that George Lucas had kind of, kind of abandoned the theory, but I think he wanted to keep this in here. And I think there's a reason why. It's because Jar Jar, I mean, 
he he gave Palpatine uh, dictatorial powers. That of course Palpatine was like, I'll turn turn them over, you know, as soon as it's convenient. Believe me, I love the Republic. All that nonsense that every politician says. But Jar Jar Binks paved the way for Palpatine to become uh, the Emperor. So clearly, I mean, he's force sensitive. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to come out of all this danger and do all this stuff. Additionally, you remember he was exiled from the Gungan, uh, the, the underwater colony on Naboo, which is probably, it's the same way that people treated witches with suspicion. So he was probably force sensitive. I imagine that the Gungans aren't a species where a lot of force sensitive people come from since he's the only uh, person that could even be thought of that we've seen that has force potential. And uh, think think about not only is he clumsy, not only, you know, Jar Jar, uh, George Lucas's philosophy is that the simple people, you know, the random boy in the desert on Tatooine turns out to be someone great. You know, Star Wars is a story about people from humble beginnings actually being something much greater and much more. And George Lucas has backed this up when he's done interviews. He's talked about the role of, you know, people in fantasy and his philosophy on how that, that medium works. And it fits completely with somebody like Jar Jar turning out to be vastly more important than we've ever believed. Um, but I would like to point out one final thing in favor of this theory that he's a Sith Lord. The actor that played Jar Jar Binks made it very clear on social media that Jar Jar's character had intended to have a much bigger role in the series. He actually... Um, I forget specifically what what he said. Uh, I, I'm going to look up. Oh, he said, okay, so I found the tweet. He said, I will say this. This is Ahmad Best, the actor. I will say this. It really, it feels really good when the hidden meaning behind the work is seen, no matter how long it takes. Hashtag the Phantom Menace. And he tweeted this out in 2015 after the Darth Jar Jar theory had just come out. So... That that seems pretty conclusive to me that he was saying without saying that this is what his character had been intended for. And he'd he'd said in interviews at the time that he was really disappointed in the fan reception because, you know, he thought that Jar Jar was very important to the role. Um, and I think that that's probably the nail in the coffin. Um, also, I mean, Jar Jar, there are times in The Phantom Menace where it seems like Jar Jar's mouth is moving as other characters are talking. And it, you'd have to go like you know look up this theory yourself because I can't really explain it in complete depth. But we see him like moving his hands around and gesturing and different things that people have speculated are him using the force to either use mind control to manipulate what people say um, and those kinds of things. I think it, I think there's there's a lot of you know there's definitely some smoke that I think leads to a fire here. Um, it may sound ludicrous, but I think that I think. You know, honestly, I believe that, that Jar Jar Binks was supposed to be a Sith Lord. Um, you might call me a Jar Jar truther, um, but I think in the grand scheme of things, I think this is this is very possible. I think this is the greatest Star Wars theory. And unfortunately, because people didn't like it, uh, his initial appearance, which I do agree with, I didn't like the way he was portrayed, uh, but we were robbed of a potentially amazing reveal uh, in future movies. Um, anything you have to say about Darth Jar Jar? Well, I I hadn't heard that theory that all those hand gestures and those those mouth movements were actually him perhaps using mind control. And that's an interesting point, because if he had that capability, if he had that power, he that he would be on par with with Obi-Wan Kenobi in, in terms of 
of power and and capability. Like that is, there aren't many Jedi or Sith that have the power of mind control. Exactly. And, And think about it this way. I mean, I'm sure that there are some people who can sort of, that don't need a sort of like hand gesture to strengthen, to kind of like channel the force. Um, but most of them do. So if he was, I mean, he, we have a being who is highly acrobatic, who was exiled under mysterious circumstances from his previous tribe, who is so ludicrous that you might think it's hiding in plain sight. And we see that, we see that a lot throughout Star Wars where Chancellor Palpatine is hiding in plain sight. I mean, he's he's sitting in Coruscant where the Jedi Council, the Jedi Temple is, and he's hiding this whole time, even though he's very visible. We see Count Dooku. I mean, he's out there in public, and nobody apparently has realized that he's a Sith, which again is on the Jedi. But we see that, you know, I think it might have been a smokescreen. He's acrobatic. Um, you know, he's making these hand gestures that if you, you know, if you want to read into it, you could make an argument that that's he's manipulating events. Well, that's how Obi-Wan did it in uh, A New Hope. Exactly, and he tries to do it on uh, on water, run- where he uses his hands, and he and he says, you know, you uh, what you, something about I think he wanted Anakin freed, and he's like, your mind tricks won't work here, and obviously, right, these aren't the droids you're looking for. The famous line, which yeah. is also mean, and he magically survives every battle despite like being like right around these explosive bombs, like hurling them around. He never dies. He never gets killed. None of that. And then he's the person who ends up giving the reins of power to Chancellor Palpatine. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think if we're in a court of law, we're talking preponderance of the evidence, civil court, you need 51% to win the case. I think we got the 51%. There might be 49 or 48% pointing against it. So, so are we concluding that he was a Sith Lord? I think we are. Now, I think, unfortunately, we'll never know how connected he was to Palpatine, if he was working in league with Palpatine, if Palpatine really even knew. Maybe Jar Jar Binks had his own plan going all along this whole time. We don't we don't know. Um, I, I just I think that there's too much there's too much evidence here that we can just write it all off as not having to do with him being force sensitive. Um, but this this might be one of the great what ifs of cinematic history. Um, I would yeah, have to disagree there, but for sake of argument, I, wow. I, I look Jar Jar Binks is the Sith Lord who's manipulating events would be one of the all time great, like things that didn't have like fan theories in history. I don't know what else you could really, I, you know, I don't know. That would definitely annoy me though, because he's probably the most unimposing character that I'm, has ever been created in the universe. That's Star true. Wars universe. But Ben, I have, I have, I'm going to, I'm going to drop the hammer on you with a quote here. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> there were people who doubted. I mean, wow. I, yeah. Comparing Jar Jar. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the, you understand what I mean by that. But anyway, so I, that is my personal favorite Star Wars theory. I think that's one of the most airtight ones. Um, but also it is possible that Qui-Gon, I mean, there's all these Jedi running around. Are we just supposed to not believe that there aren't all these like force sensitive dark dark lords out there? You know, I it seems like you know it seems like there are. But uh, all right, so um, I guess we've talked about all that stuff. Um, we're probably gonna wrap it up real soon. I I don't think either of us have seen the Mandalorian yet, right? Um, uh, that is correct. Not yet. I'm waiting until Disney Plus is able to work out all their bugs in the in the system so Mm. 
at yeah, some point I'll... it's final season so i don't have time to start new tv shows um but i'm gonna plan on on watching it over break and i'm sure that we'll talk about it on future episodes um anything you want to talk about about the star wars franchise or what's going on leading up into episode nine you have any like theories or what you think is going to happen um i am i'm going in with an open mind i'm hoping they are better than the last two that they've made fingers crossed yeah fingers crossed absolutely i'm really hoping that they do something and you mentioned uh that uh mcdermott is going to be coming back for this film yes at least we've heard his voice in the trailer his evil is iconic laugh um, yeah so i'm hoping he has more like a a role yeah i'm actually that. i'm worried that he's just gonna be like because you remember when ray was in that like force cave and like she saw all these like visions and stuff i'm worried that he'll just be like that or it'll be like his spirit because we saw that like the destroyed death star ruins i'm worried that he'll his spirit will like just be there and it'll be something really minor like i i kind of want to see palpatine like come back and like be a threat in this the final because we don't really do we have a villain i guess kylo ren is a villain but i don't know that anybody's really scared of him at this point hopefully there's no yeah yeah but i i like when i as much as they've kind of messed up in these films as of late i think at least me personally i enjoy when they kind of bring back like an old character or something like when when we saw solo um at the end there they bring you see darth maul Mm -hmm. that was a great moment and i I was like yeah that was a i was it surprised everyone it was thrilling and yeah that's probably why it was better than the recent uh, the the other recent films that they made i think they need to be able to do something like that where you have the element of surprise because in the past star wars movies they're always good movies, but you kind of know the general direction in which they're going and you know how it's going to end. Um, right. Except, except the empire strikes back. If you know, you watch that in the 1980s for the first time, you were probably which both absolutely notably, blown away. Notably, both of us did in theaters. Yeah. So they, they need to bring that back, that element of surprise that the empire strikes back had where you're just, you're absolutely in awe of what just happened because you're like, this is the character development is completely changed, but instead, you know, with these, these new directors coming into direct star Wars, it's going to be just, it could be just another predictable star Wars storyline. I'm that's what I'm afraid is going to happen. I'm a little worried that Disney has a different vision for what this franchise means and is going to be. So I think they see this as like bringing Star Wars to the next generation and we're going to like inspire kids and be hopeful. You know what I mean? Like they've shown a pretty mm-hmm. dear, clear, at least Rian Johnson did that. Hopefully J.J. Abrams doesn't. A, a pretty clear disregard for tradition. I mean, you know, hopefully that was just Rian Johnson saying like, oh, Ray is nobody, you know, like Snoke is dead. Like that was just his kind of vision and Abrams will return because Abrams made a movie that's actually very similar to the original New Hope if you look at the elements but I'm a little worried that it'll just be like, you know, Ray tempts Kylo, Kylo tempts Ray. Like, who's going to do what? You know, Kylo Ren will either turn to the light side or be killed. Ray will have a moment where she sees herself as a potential dark side user and is tempted, but ultimately survives and, you know, becomes good and she's the hero. And then, like, honestly, Poe Dameron, Finn, and Rose are just not important to this story. 
which I really am disappointed in because I, you know, I was hoping they'd be great characters. And I think that Finn has a great angle, which is like, I was a former stormtrooper, you know, I became disillusioned. Like I'm not with them. Like, I think there was a lot of potential there. And it's just kind of like, if we didn't have Finn, nothing about the story would change. If we didn't have Rose, nothing about the story would change. If we didn't have Poe, nothing about the story would change except we wouldn't have BB-8, which might be enough of a reason to keep his character around, honestly. But, I mean, it just seems like Rey and Kylo are this movie and all this other stuff. Like, we saw that in the plot, right, where Finn and uh, Finn and Rose are going onto that planet to find the smuggler, the, you know, the hacker. And it was just like, at the end, when the hacker betrayed them, it was like, what was the point? Why did we waste a half an hour of this movie on that subplot? We didn't need any of that. I agree. I wish I wish Finn would have more of an important role because when you when you first watch the Star Wars movies, you you think yourself, wouldn't it be cool if a stormtrooper became like one of the good guys? Right. It's it's compelling. They just they've wasted. Yeah. Well, let me put it this way: they I think that they're they're doing like the core of Star Wars is the Force. It's guys with lightsabers. It's good versus evil. Maybe throw in some gray there. It's it's like a soap opera. It's literally it's a it's a space fantasy soap opera, and I think that you know the 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 Ray Kylo thing is playing into that. We had Luke. We had Kylo Ren. We had those family ties. Like that is peak Star Wars. I think there's a lot in here that mm-hmm. just isn't. It doesn't feel Star Warsy. You know what I mean? Um, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully it's good. I mean, I'm going to go see it anyway, and I'm going to watch it again after theaters, give it a second opinion, obviously, as I've done with, you know, both of the last two movies. Um, And it seems like they're going to be at least doing good stuff. I've heard good things about The Mandalorian, so they are putting at least some quality content out, which is good. Um, Yeah, anything else about Star Wars? I think we're probably about close to wrapping up. I'm Yeah, I'm also probably going to see it in theaters and despite it could be the worst star wars movie ever and i'll probably see it a second time probably um all right this is probably going to be our last episode before christmas unless we have we have a we have a guest we're hoping to get caleb davies back in the mix today actually but uh, he had a prior commitment he's a very elusive man uh, to have come on our podcast um but hopefully we'll be able to to lock him in the bag for next episode uh we have some Major League Baseball hot takes as well as some culture stuff to discuss too. Um, but in case this is our last podcast before Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, all that stuff to whoever celebrates. Um, have a nice end of the year. Thanks for you know, coming along with this podcast for the ride. Um, yeah, it's about that's all I got. Have a Merry Christmas. Uh, don't listen to any Mariah Carey uh, Merry Christmas songs. Um, Listen to pentatonics and orchestral arrangements of religious hymns, and I think you'll be doing very, very well. All right. This has been the Road Not Taken podcast. <laughs>